going to turn on this Christmas morning to a passage that you're probably not expecting that you would hear on Christmas morning. Um, But we've been doing a series here at at Central, and we've gone through uh, the items. We've got a lot of uh, echoing here. Gone through the items of adoring of Christ. You had the angels adoring Christ. You've had the shepherds adoring Christ. You've had Mary adoring Christ. And now we're going to look at those he came to save and how we are to adore Christ. It might be in the chapel that's too loud. Okay? So Luke chapter 19. Now we're going to read it and then we're going to sing it a little bit later. Okay? So just be ready for that. Uh, it is in your worship folder, Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. So if you're able, would you stand with me as I read the word of God? Our Heavenly Father, we ask that you would open our eyes to your holy word today. Fill our minds and hearts with your Holy Spirit to give us understanding, not just of the words in black and white on the page before us, but what they really mean and how they call us to live. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. (coughs) So Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was small in stature. Now, we like to think that Zacchaeus maybe was the shortest man in the Bible, but we know the shortest man in the Bible was Bildad the Shuhite. You're the winner. Only you can get to heaven. Okay, the rest of us, no, okay. Bildad the Shuhite, he was one of the buddies of Job, okay? Sorry to diverge, but there's a preacher joke, so i got to do it. It's verse 4. So he ran on ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. This is God's inspired word for us today. So please be seated. Now, if you're reading out of the Bible, you want to go back a little bit to um, some of the previous things. We're going to look at chapter 18 there in just a moment. Now, the Gospels illustrate for us why Jesus came very clearly to seek and save the lost. And in other places, he says, I've come to seek the lost sheep of Abraham, of Israel. Now, the only problem with that, and and of course the crowd that is around there today, we'll see in just a second, the only problem with that is from the point of the view of the Jews that they didn't need to be found, okay? They weren't lost, okay? Because you're already in good standing with God because of your lineage from Abraham. And in addition, if you're pious and you worked hard uh, to keep the law, then you were really in good standing with the Lord. And on the last day when judgment comes, you'll be numbered among the righteous. Because you're a child of the promise, a child of the Old Testament covenant, a member of the synagogue. Man, you are in. That's what they thought. That's what they thought. 
even after Jesus repeatedly told them that just being a descendant of Abraham was not sufficient, was not sufficient. I can, God can make sons out of these stones here, sons of Abraham out of the stones. So he describes his ministry as coming to the lost sheep of Israel. And throughout his ministry, he was rejected by many people who thought they were in, specifically the Pharisees, and he was embraced by many people who thought they were out. Tax collectors, Zacchaeus, and prostitutes. And that's what's going on in his encounter with Zacchaeus. Now Jesus makes it clear in this story that there are people who are lost and they need to be found, that we are sinners and we need to be forgiven. And in this case, in his encounter with Zacchaeus, Jesus does does this. We can look at verse 7 there and, and see what he does. And when he saw it, and when they saw it, they all grumbled because he has gone in to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. They being the Jewish leaders and the people who thought they were in good standing with the Lord grumbled because Jesus had gone in to the house of a sinner. Now, I wasn't feeling well last week, so I went to my GP and there I sit in the waiting room. And you know who I saw in the waiting room? A bunch of sick people. Okay, because healthy people don't go to see the doctor. Right? The same thing is true with Jesus. He came to save those who have a problem with sin and who know that they have a problem with sin. Okay, doctors specialize in treating the sick. Jesus specializes in seeking and saving the lost, those who know their sin, those who repent and believe upon him. Now, Zacchaeus, he was a sinner. I'll tell you straight out. He was a sinner, and he knew he was a sinner, as we'll see. He not only collected taxes himself, but he was the chief tax collector, which meant he had people under him, and he took a percentage of everything that they collected. So it was like this first century pyramid scheme with Zacchaeus at the top of the pyramid, and everybody else is working for him, and all this money filters right up to Zacchaeus. He's the guy on top. And Jericho was this great place to collect taxes because it was a crossroads, and People would come, and and, uh, Zacchaeus had clearly grown wealthy from this work, from this uh, basically extortion. He's extorting his own people, the Jews, on behalf of the Romans. Remember, if if the Romans said, collect $100, and you collected $200, you got the extra $100 into your pocket. Okay, so they were very good at extorting their own people. But that's not quite enough. Because apparently Zacchaeus skimmed some off the top of everybody else, too. Not that they just gave their, that percentage, but he took more than what he was entitled to because he says, if I have defrauded anyone, I'll give it back fourfold. So a, a real change had come to Zacchaeus's life. A real change. So by his own admission, he was not only involved in a very hated and unpopular um, activity, profession, but he was a chief as well, chief. So as far as the rest of the Jewish world was concerned, Zacchaeus wasn't going to heaven. In fact, there was no hope that Zacchaeus would ever be right with God. The only problem was they didn't check with Jesus on that. Now, it doesn't take much thought to come up with a list of modern-day famous, rich, uh, powerful people who are uh, immoral, their behavior unsavory, unethical within society. Yes, they, we might like the movies they make or the movies they star in, but 
most of their personal lives are antithetical to the things of Scripture. When they open their mouth, godly things do not come out of it. Some of those, we think, who serve in elected office. We may like, in our estimation, whichever side of the spectrum you're on, we may like the way that they vote. But would you trust your wife in a room alone with them? Eh, I don't think so. The Jews looked at tax collectors in this fashion, immoral, without hope of ever getting into heaven. They saw people who were working and cooperating with Rome who enriched themselves off the back of their own people. So the standard view was Zacchaeus was a sinner. And if you ask them what they thought about the man mentioned here in verse, um, in chapter 18, verse 18, the rich young ruler, they said, well, he's a righteous guy. He has a real chance. Why? Let me read a little bit. He asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, why do you call me good? No one's good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, all these I've kept from my youth. And the Jews would have gone, now that's a righteous man. That guy's going to heaven. Zacchaeus, no. But the rich young ruler, yes, he is going to heaven. But the problem was, this rich young ruler had a different God. He had a God other than our Heavenly Father. He certainly had a God other than Jesus. But his God was his wealth. Because Jesus goes on and says, One thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad because he was really rich, extremely rich. It was humanly impossible for somebody to get to heaven by keeping the law. Even the rich young ruler, he said, I've done it from my youth. But he never kept it perfectly because no one can. But it's not really hard to get to heaven if you're a sinner. It's impossible to get to heaven if you're a sinner unless Jesus works in your life. Unless he comes and seeks you out and saves you. That is the only possible way. Now, Jesus is not saying rich people can't go to heaven. There are primarily rich people who go to heaven. What he's saying there is if you have an idol, if you have something first in your life that's other than God, whether it be people or stuff or yourself, you've got to kill that idol. You've got to put it to death. You've got to put it aside because Christ has to be first in your life. So now when we get to 19 in Zacchaeus, Jesus is displaying for us the poster child of the impossibility of somebody getting into heaven. Right? Now, I said we were going to sing this, and we're all going to sing it again, because you, you learned it, and if, if you spent any time in Sunday school, you know this song. Ready? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. And he climbed up in the sycamore. Do the hand motion. And the Lord, he wanted to see. And as he passed the sunset way, like I said, the tree and he said Zacchaeus you come down for I'm going to your house today your house today y'all are better yeah you're, you're much better than I am okay so Zacchaeus is a sinner you got that he's a sinner he doesn't have any hope of, of going to heaven 
unless the Lord does this great work in his life. He's the least likely candidate, in fact, of everybody we see in these parables of anybody going to heaven. But, of course, nobody checked with Jesus on it. Now, we could substitute my name for Zacchaeus. Well, Randy is the least likely candidate to go to heaven, okay? Or we could substitute anybody's name. Because outside of the work of Christ, none of us are going to make it. None of us have any hope of ever getting to heaven on our own works, on our own merits, nothing like that. Now, we may not have committed sins like Zacchaeus. I may not have run a pyramid scheme and I'm at the top and, and all those things. But apart from Christ and from grace and from the gospel, there's just no hope for us. No hope at all. Now, we are lost and need to be found. So think about this. Here's Zacchaeus. He climbs up in the sycamore tree. Now, the sycamore trees is pretty big, but in the first century, uh, in, in that part of the world, sycamore trees were, were not quite as big, more big bushes, but you could still climb up in there because he's looking for Jesus. Okay? And here comes Jesus, and he walks along under the tree, and we don't see that Zacchaeus went, Ooh, Jesus, it's me, it's me. I've been waiting for you. I've been looking for you. No, we don't see that. Along comes Jesus, and before Zacchaeus can say anything, Jesus looks up at him and says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house today. Now, you have to understand, this was pretty poor etiquette in the first century. Okay, nobody invited themselves to somebody else's house, not even kings. Kings would not come along and say, oh, my, my entourage and I are coming to your house today. No, you waited to be invited to somebody's house. Okay, so Jesus kind of gets out of order here. Uh, is, is bad etiquette, what he's doing here. And he says, I'm coming to your house today, and how does Zacchaeus respond? So he hurried, and Zacchaeus hurried and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Almost like Tony the Tiger. Great, Jesus is coming. Man, I've been looking for him. No, Jesus has been looking for Zacchaeus. See, we like to think that I'm out there looking for the Lord. I'm looking for Jesus. No, Jesus has his eye out for you. I came to seek and save the lost. Seek and save the lost. There's an old hymn, and, and we don't have it in our hymnal. Um, it's from the middle of the 1800s, and the, the title is, I Sought the Lord and afterward I knew. And this is just the chorus. I sought the Lord, and afterward I knew. He moved my soul to seek him, seeking me. It was not I that found, O Savior, true. No, I was found of thee. You think, oh, I, I, I'm out there looking for the Lord. No, he's looking for me. And some of us can say, I was never really looking for the Lord. He just came and found me. Yeah, and those of us that that happened to we understand. I, I did not have an interest in the Lord, but he came and found me. He said, Randy, I'm coming to your house today. In fact, I'm just not coming to your house. I'm coming to your heart, and I'm going to live there and change you forevermore. See, there are people here that, that have been found and forgiven, and there are people here who have not yet been found and still need to be forgiven. Zacchaeus was found by Jesus Christ. He was found and his life was forever changed. When 
Jesus finds you, he changes your heart. And this is one of the encounters, I think, that talks about this, this power that Christ has that we really don't understand. It, when Jesus encounters Zacchaeus, we don't read in Scripture, and here are the five steps that Zacchaeus took to get his life changed. No. It says Jesus showed up, and Zacchaeus was changed. Jesus showed up, and Zacchaeus was changed. Jesus arrived, and his whole world was different. And then we're told something of what happened as a result of that change. Zacchaeus tells Jesus, I'm going to give half of my money to the poor. Okay? Now, he doesn't say, well, you know, I've spent a lot of years making that money, and I've stashed a lot away. Um, boy, that's a sacrifice, Jesus. What are you going to do for me if I give half of it away? He doesn't say that. He tells Jesus, I'm going to give half of my fortune away. That's right out of Exodus 22, okay, by the way. And then he says, and if I've squandered, if I cheated anybody, I'm going to repay them four times what I took from them. Four times. See, Jesus comes into his life, and now it is a pleasure for him to obey God's word. Before, all he wanted was what pleased Zacchaeus. His world was not very much larger than right here. He was very self-oriented. He was a self-made man. He didn't care about ethics. He didn't care about morals. He cared about money. That's what what his God was. But now his heart has changed. And he can't wait to obey the Lord. He can't wait to do what the Old Testament says he is supposed to do. So Jesus walks into his life. And he says, Zacchaeus, you've been seeking satisfaction in all the wrong places. And I'm going to give you what your heart truly longs for. So much so that you will lose grip, you will lose your grip on all those old idols that used to run your life. And now the only thing you'll desire is to be obedient to the word of God. This is to the point that possessions are no longer Zacchaeus' God. And that's transferable to all of us. What do we hold on to so tightly in lieu of our Heavenly Father? As I said before, it could be people, it could be stuff, it could be whatever you're holding on to. Do you hold on to it tighter than you do the Lord? So for those who have been saved, the adoration of a child born in Bethlehem is evidence that we adore Christ. Our obedience is evidence that we love him. How we live and ultimately who has first place in our life. So the question for us this morning, this Christmas morning, do we adore Christ each day in all things or do we only adore Christ on this day? It takes dedicated effort to put Christ first every day. We've got to get up in the morning and our first thought has to be instead of good Lord, it's morning. It's good Lord, it's morning. Okay, what can I do for the Lord? How can I serve him? How will he work in my life today? That has to be our mindset each and every day. Because there can be nothing more important in our lives than the incarnate son of God, born in the city of David, born in Bethlehem so long ago. So let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, what a great joy it is to see a response in someone's life, 
You came looking for Zacchaeus. You came looking for us. And you changed our lives. Yes, the Father draws us unto himself. Yes, there were people in our lives who lived out Christianity before us, who lived out the truth, who taught us that you used to prepare us and to prepare our hearts. But it was Christ who came and found us because we belong to him, because we were his. And he will lose none of those who belong to him. And now we can rest in security and assurance, resting in the hand of the one born in Bethlehem. For it is not my hold upon Christ to save. It is Christ's hold upon me. Lord, let us never forget this great love, these things of Christ should first and foremost in all that we do and say. We pray this in Jesus' name.